Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. And the truth is, there are some things that you need to hear over and over again. There's some things that I'm glad that people tell me or that I'd like to hear more than once. Like one of those is, is the words, I love you. Isn't it nice to hear I love you from someone more than once? Like I'd like to hear that from Rhonda more than once. And I do, I do. I, that, that sounded like I don't. I'd like to hear that more. I don't mean that. That's not what I mean. I do, I do. And I like that. I like to hear it from my kids. My mom, when my mom tells me I love you, it's still just, you know, you kind of, oh, you know, it still gets you. There's certain things I want to hear more than once. Look, I, I check the weather every day because just listening to it one day is not enough. I need to hear it again. I like hearing about God's love and his grace and his favor and his peace. I need to hear about those things over and over again. That's, that's kind of where the gist of our story is today. Acts chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me if you would, please. We're, we're wrapping up today Paul's first missionary journey. He's going to take three of these throughout the course of the book of Acts. We've been working our way through the book of Acts off and on for about a year now. We're going to wrap up his first missionary journey today. And then we're going to, after Easter, we're going to take a, a break from the book of Acts for about a month or two. And uh, then we're going to come back to the book of Acts in chapter 15 when we get uh, into the summer. But I, I want you to see this. This is uh, how they, they finish up their first missionary journey. This is Paul and Barnabas. Acts chapter 14, verse 21 if you remember last week, before we jump in here to, to give a little context, they had been on that road trip. Do you remember that? It's like they started, you know, kind of, if you, if you need a visual of it, they started in, in, in uh, where they were in Antioch, and then they went to Cyprus, and they ended up in these cities called a, a different Antioch, Pisidian Antioch, and then Iconium and Lystra. And the last thing we read was they went to a city called Derby, and it would be almost like they were, um, it, it would be almost like they started in Cincinnati, and then they went north on 75, Right? And they went through Cincinnati, and then they went up through Dayton, and then they went up through Lyman, Finley, and into Toledo. It was kind of that kind of trip, if you want to visualize it that way. Does that kind of make sense? So they've been on this trip, and now watch what they do. Verse 21, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples, and then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. They went back down 75, right? Okay. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord to whom, in whom they had put their trust. What's interesting is, is Paul and Barnabas retrace their steps. They, they get to the city called Derby, and then they go backwards. They go back through Lystra and Iconium and Pisidian Antioch before they head back to their home church. And as they go back, it says these interesting words that they're strengthening them, they're encouraging them, they're praying with them. And I think something that's really important here for us to grasp is this. Too many of us think that, that just going to church on Sunday is enough. Or that if we, just, if we just get there once in a while, it's enough. Or if we just think about God once in a while, if we just read our Bible from time to time, or if we just kind of check the box, then we're good. And what we see here is that there's so much more to Christianity. There's things that we need to think about. There's things we need to talk about. There's things we need to experience over and over and over again. And we see the, the importance of this in this story. So today, based, based just on this account that we read in Acts chapter 14, I want to share with you three things you probably need to hear again. Like, I don't think these are things you're hearing for the first time. 
I think there are three things that you probably need to hear again. So we're, we're kind of going back to the basics. We're going back to the fundamentals. Some of the, some of the things that maybe you've heard before, especially if you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for a long time, maybe you've heard this before, but they're good things for you to hear again. Here's the first one, and it's, it's what we see them do in this passage. Number one, I, I want you to hear this. Stay strong. In your faith, number one, my encouragement to you is this, that you would stay strong. It says that when Paul and Barnabas went back on their trip, when they visited the churches that they had started, they went back to those places, and it said that they strengthened the disciples. Some versions of Scripture says it, it's that they strengthened the souls of the disciples, that they were spiritually coming alongside of them to help them to be stronger. And whether you're growing physically or whether you're growing spiritually, where does strength come from? Two, two places I want you to see today when we talk about strength. One is this. Strength comes from, from repetition. Strength comes from repetition. When you do something repeatedly, you develop a strength in that. Isn't that true? That's why if you practice, it, 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 it helps. We use the language, practice makes perfect. Because there's something that happens that builds strength in us when we repeat something. Look at this passage again, because this is, this is very significant. It said, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Now, now, what we don't get, because we're not familiar with the geography of the first century, is that that was not the easiest way for them to go home. Sometimes the best way for you to go home is to go back the way you came, but it depends on where you went. Home for, for Paul and Barnabas, let me just give you a visual of this. Let's say they're in Toledo, all right? And let's say home for them is Cleveland. If they want to go back to Cleveland from Toledo, would it make sense for them to go down to Dayton first? Yes or no? No, it would actually just be kind of dumb, right? It's not, it's not the easiest way to go. Geographically, this didn't make sense. They were going out of their way when they could have just gone across the mountains and through Tarsus and, and made their way back to Antioch, where they were from. And instead of doing that, they went back the way they came from, which did not make sense. Geographically, this was a stretch for them. Why? Because they knew it was important for them to go back and visit the churches that they'd started because they knew that if they went back, that repetition, the things they needed to hear, repetition would build strength. Does that make sense? Now get this. It was not only geographically difficult. This was personally dangerous. Now we didn't read all this in detail last week, but we highlighted it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Think about this. When they were in Pisidian Antioch, the people in the city said, get out of our city, and they kicked them out. When they were in Iconium, there was a plot where they were trying to kill Paul and Barnabas. And when they were in Lystra, if you remember this, they stoned Paul and left him for dead. Do you remember that? Are those places you want to go back to? Not only was this out of the way, this was dumb, right? Don't go back to the very same places where they kicked you out and tried to kill you. But Paul and Barnabas said, it's important enough for us to go back and tell the disciples these things again. We need to strengthen them in their faith. We have to go back because it matters this much. Look, there, there's strength in repetition. And Paul and Barnabas said it wasn't just enough for them to hear it once. They need to hear it again. We need to help them to stay strong. Paul says this to us in, in Philippians chapter 2. Listen to what he says here. And this is a powerful passage. Verse 12 Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, 
continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now look, don't, don't miss this. Paul does not say work for your salvation. Can you earn your salvation? No, you can't work for it. But he says you need to work it out. You, you need to grow in it. You need to develop in it. You need to purposely say, how can I get to know Jesus more? How can I live in a way that pleases him? I think one of the challenges, and maybe for a lot of us who have maybe been in the church for a long time, is that we can get spiritually stagnant. And we can get to a place where we feel like we're spiritually mature, and then we can stop growing. Or we're just kind of easily satisfied, and we fail to see that God has more for us. And Paul says, look, don't, don't stop growing. Keep growing in your faith. Keep, keep doing those things that help you develop because strength comes from repetition. This, this may be a, 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 an analogy that doesn't work for a lot of people, but it would work for a lot of people because we're right in the middle of March Madness. Anybody watching any basketball right now? Some people are. And because I, I have to practice what I preach, I, I want to congratulate my Wolverine friends on a, on a, <laughs> wow, this is hard, on a good run. But um, <laughs> how does this work? You don't just put a basketball in a kid's hand and say, come on, go play in the Final Four. They've, they've developed strength in the process, haven't they? They've had to work, and that work is repetition that builds that up. Think about it. Preparation strengthens us. When you prepare, when you get ready, when you look ahead, you, you know, if you're, if you're on a basketball team, you're going to take time, and hopefully somebody has scouted out some of your opponents. You know what their, what their strengths are. You know what their weaknesses are. You know kind of how they view the game because that preparation strengthens us. And if you think about it in a spiritual sense, look, the same thing is true. We need to recognize that there are certain places where we're strong and certain places where we're weak and certain places where the enemy might try to come against us. And when we prepare ourselves and look ahead and say, God, where do I need your strength in my life? That preparation strengthens us. Not only does preparation strengthen us, but practice strengthens us. Look, these teams don't just sit around and watch film. They go out on the court. They, they run plays. They, they practice the basics. They, they study but they also get out there and they do it. Why? Because you want to build up strength. You need to build up stamina. These, these games are one right after the other, right? You have to have strength. And that strength comes from practice. And in our lives, when we live out our faith, it makes us stronger. For many of us, we, we ignore our, our faith every day but Sunday and then when the trials come or when temptation comes and it gets the best of us, we wonder what happened. And it may be that we haven't consciously been practicing what God wants to do in our lives so we don't have the strength he'd like for us to have. So that, that preparation, there's practice. And then also I just say that reinforcement builds strength. This idea of, of, of finding a place where you find reinforcement in your life. What, what makes a building strong? Well, there's structural reinforcement. And when you, when you build something strong, when you have a foundation, then you know that there's strength. What is our foundation as followers of Jesus Christ? Well, it's the word of God. And when we allow the word of God to be active in our lives, when we study it, when we learn it, when we, when we let it be a part of us, it changes us and it helps us. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul writes, and we also thank God continually 
Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. And this, this is what I want you to see. Watch this. Not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Look, the word of God is not just words on a page. It's not just another book. It is alive and it is at work inside of you. And when you allow the word of God to come into your heart through the things that you hear, the things that you read, the things that you believe, the things that you hold on to in times of challenge, it reinforces something inside of you. And know this when you read it. In fact, for some of you, there, there may be a scripture that you need to do more than read. Like, like you've, you've got a scripture in your heart. You need to memorize it. You need to go back to it. You need to read it before you go into that, that, that tough situation at home or at work. Every time that that fear, that anxiety comes back, you need to say that scripture again because when you do, when you let scripture get into your heart that way, it reinforces you and it builds strength. Strength comes from repetition. There's a second place, though, that, that we see in this passage that strength comes from. And I think it's this, that strength comes from relationships, we also see strength come in our lives from relationship. It's interesting. It says that, that Paul and Barnabas went back to the same cities where they came from. While they're there, they strengthened the disciples. And then after that, look again at what they did. Verse 23. It says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. They made sure that every church had proper leadership. They made sure that churches were structured in an appropriate way. They went in to make sure that the church was strong because they knew that the church mattered, that if these disciples were going to be able to weather the, the persecution, the trials, the challenges, the, the, the things that life would throw their way, if they were going to make it, they would have to have a group of believers. They would have to have a relationship. They would have to have the church to come together to give them strength. Have you ever heard the phrase, there's strength in numbers? And in God's plan, those numbers are the church. See, believers find relationship in the church. Believers find relationship in the church. And the truth is, I don't care how good of a basketball player you are. If you go out on the court all by yourself and you're up against a team of five with a strong bench, you're going to lose. Why? Because you're just clearly outnumbered. You're not going to be able to win. Why? Because the team that you're on makes a difference. You're always more effective on the right team. And Paul and Barnabas knew this. And so they said to the disciples, we're going to set up a church for you, which will be a place where you can belong, where you can be, be used in your gifts, of find a place where you can be made strong. Why is the church so important? Two things I think that scripture shows us. One is the world needs the church. The world that we live in, and, and I, I, would, I would say this with great emphasis, and I think we'll see this again as we, go through, as we go through Acts, but the world needs the church. Why do you say that? Look at this, Ephesians chapter three, verse 10. Speaking of God, it says, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you see the words that are there? That God accomplishes his purposes through the church. The, the creator of the universe, the all-powerful God said, I'm going to get my work done and I'm going to do it 
through you. When you get on the right team, when you're strong as, as a body of believers, when you're followers of Jesus Christ who come together and the gates of hell can't prevail against you, in that body of believers, that's where I'm going to accomplish my purposes. God accomplish his purposes through his church. And, th and that's really important. And that's why we don't want to be content as a church to just get to a certain place and stop because God always has a plan for us. He always has purposes he wants to play out for us. That's why we're never content with where we are because we want to see God's plan fulfilled. I, I've known people, I've been a part of churches in the past where people kind of get just comfortable in, in the place where they are. They like this, this team that they're on and fail to see that God wants to do something more through them. So we do celebrate that last Sunday was the highest Sunday morning attendance that Calvary's had. Why do we celebrate that? Because that shows that God is reaching people through his church and through his church he wants to accomplish his purposes. Does that make sense? Like that's, that's key for us. And, and this is why we get excited about a growing church. It's accomplishing God's plan. You see this in the book of Acts. The apostles are never content. They're always saying, how do we expand God's kingdom? And the idea is not to get a big church. The idea is to get a big kingdom. And God will create that. He'll craft that. He'll show us what that looks like. But our hope is that we are reaching more people because the world needs the church. But let's, let's, let's not just talk about the big picture. Let's, let's narrow it in a little bit. Not only does the world need the church, but you need the church. You and I need the church. I'm better when I'm a part of your church. You're better when you're a part of God's church. There's, there's something that happens when we come together as the church. So the author of Hebrews says this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's that mean there? The author of Hebrews is saying that as you see the day approaching, what he means is as we get closer to the time of Jesus Christ's return, as the world gets crazier and Christ's second coming comes closer, which do you believe that's happening? A couple of you are like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And you'd probably be okay if it happened this afternoon, right? But as you see that happening, he says it becomes all the more important that you don't neglect coming together. Why? Because there's strength when we are together as the church. A couple weeks ago when we, when we talked about spiritual warfare, we talked about the idea that we can sometimes find ourselves in a tug of war with the powers of darkness. Do you remember that? We have an enemy that wants to pull us to his side. Well, guess what? You do better at tug of war when you're not holding the rope alone. There's something powerful when there are other people who are holding your rope with you. There's a strength that's in that. God has, has given us tremendous opportunity. And I was, I was just sharing this earlier this week. You know, Calvary as a church has always been a place that has said, how do we leverage what's happening in the world to be able to reach other people. So from the very beginning of the church, they started a radio ministry because they said we can use technology to reach more people. And so we've continued to do that through television and through the internet. It's given us an opportunity to get the word of God out to more people in Toledo. It's, it's a part of our DNA as a church. And it's a powerful thing. Almost every week I'm meeting somebody who's coming to church and saying, yes, I've been watching on TV or I've been watching online for a few weeks or for a few months and now I'm coming to church. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Here's the flip side of that, though. That technology is a wonderful convenience, too. 
Because if somebody's out of town or if they're sick or if there's challenges in your schedule, sometimes it's people's work schedule or something like that, it's, it's a great way to stay connected to the church. But I, I just want to say this from a pastor's heart. What you get through technology is not a substitute for being in and a part of the church. Does that make sense? Right? I, th- I think this is really a big deal because it, it, the convenience is, is wonderful, but convenience can be a dangerous thing because I'll latch on to what's convenient and I'll miss what's real. And, and so in the midst of that, and especially if there's these times when, and this isn't a condemning thing, I hope it's an encouraging thing, that, that what, what God can do through technology is powerful, but what God can do through his people is incredible. And so we trust him to do that. And, and sometimes you have to just realize that convenience is hurting you more than helping you. You know that if, if all you ate was a fast food diet, your health would go down in minutes, Right? right? At some point, you got to go, look, I, I, need, I need to be in a place where I not just have good food, but where I have good company. It's one thing to hit the drive-through. It's another thing to th- to th- 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 right? Praise God. It's another thing to sit at a table with people who you love and who love you, because there's a whole lot more to a meal than just the food. And so realize this technology is a, is a powerful thing, but there's something healthy about being a part of the church. And can I, can, I before, can I say one more thing before I get off my soapbox? Is that okay? Look, one other thing. I, especially those of you that are, that are parents or grandparents whose, whose children or, or teenage students come with you to church, your family needs the church. I'm in my, my 23rd year of ministry. I know, I know. Some of you are thinking, I thought he was only 23. I'm in my 23rd year of ministry. First nine years I spent as a children's pastor. Day in, day out working with kids. I can tell you story after story after story. It makes a world of difference when you as a parent say, this is our church. Kids, this is our church family. This, this is where we belong. This is where we grow. And, and then you, you call that place home and you let that be a priority in the life of your children. It makes a huge difference in the life of your kids. And I would say this boldly, even if it's not Calvary, let us help you find a church where your family can stay for a long time because it makes a huge difference. You know this, that the strongest trees have the deepest roots. Plant yourself in a local church. Let your roots go deep. It will make all the difference for your family. Do you, do you see the language here about the church? I just want you to see this real quick. As a pastor, as our leadership, we want the church to grow both deep and wide. We want you individually to grow deep in your faith, and we want the church to grow wide so that we're reaching more people because the world needs the church and you need the church. And when you're a part of the church, there's a, there's a, there's a, a strength that comes through that relationship, through that repetition that helps you to stay strong. And Paul knew this was important, so he went out of his way at the risk of his life to go back to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch and say to them, I want you to stay strong. Here's the second thing that, that Paul said to them, and, and, and you've heard this before, but I want you to hear it again. Be encouraged. Number two, I want you to be encouraged. Let me give you some encouraging words from Barnabas and Saul, Paul. They're, they're going to sound very cliche. In fact, they're going to they're sound like the things that you would see hanging on a poster in a junior high classroom with a cat on it, right? That's the kind of thing that you're going to hear here. But they're right here in the text. Here's the first encouraging word I want to give to you. It's very basic, 
But, but listen to me, and some of you need to look me right in the eye and hear this. Don't give up. Some of you need to hear that today. This, this is a big deal. On your faith, on God, let me encourage you. Don't give up. Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Listen to what, what Paul did when he went back to these places. It says, they were strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Remain true to the faith. Paul says, look, listen to me. Don't you give up. You, you keep doing what God's called you to do. We've talked about this the last few weeks. Even, even if you're waiting for God to give you a specific answer, you keep doing the general right things you know you're supposed to do, and you trust him. You stay obedient to the things that, that you know would please him. Don't be deceived by the world around you. I, I, can, I can tell you this. There's this parable that Jesus tells. He tells it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We, we read it in all three places. It's the parable of the sower. And it says the sower goes out, and he sows seed. And when he goes out and he sows seed, some of it falls on the, the dirt path and some of it falls in the rocks and some of it falls in the thorns and some of it falls in the good ground. The good ground's awesome because when it's there, it reaps a harvest that's, that's, that's 30, 60, 100 fold. Like it, it grows. We're, we're gonna push the good ground over here for just a minute. Let's walk back through the thorns and the rocks and the path. He says sometimes that seed falls on the path and when it falls on the path, a bird comes and eats it. And the bird is, is like the devil who comes and tries to steal the word out of our hearts. And some of it falls in the rocks. And the rocks, he says, is just like the trials and the persecutions and the, the trouble that we face in life. And because we go through these troubles, God's word starts to grow in our heart because that's what the seed is. It's God's word. It starts to grow, but, but we never get those roots. And so because we're on this rocky soil, when trouble or persecution comes, we don't have roots. We're not rooted in a local church. We're not rooted in our faith. And so we dry up and we die up. And then, and then you've got the thorns over here where the plant begins to grow. And then you get, you get the, the things of this world. Jesus, Jesus mentions wealth. He, he mentions the, the things that we, that we seem to be drawn to. And he talks about anxiety and, and fear and those things that come. And just like, just like thorns or weeds, they come up and they choke away that plant. And Jesus says, look, when that seed comes, when the word of God comes, watch yourself that, that you don't find yourself in the thorns or in the rocks or on the path where that seed can't grow. You and I need to do our best to be conscious that we are good soil. And, and can I tell you, and, I, and I've got a little bit of, um, especially here in, in Toledo, I've got, I've got a little bit of time that I can look back. And pastorally, there's times when I have this like great sense of helplessness because I see people who at one time were growing in their faith and somewhere on the path or in the rocks or in the thorns, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like Jesus said, you watch that faith begin to die because somewhere there was some disappointment or there was some struggle or there was some distraction and they gave up. They, they didn't remain true to their faith. And I can tell you stories over and over again of people, in fact, for, it might be you, it might be your family. I don't say this with any kind of judgment. I say this with, with, the, with the grace of God. Like God, God wants you to grow. He wants you to thrive. He wants your family to, to experience and to know him. And so in the process of that, can I encourage you? Don't give up. Don't, don't give up on God. Don't, don't walk away from your faith. 
It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be pleasant. But I can tell you this. That this is what Paul wrote. He wrote this in the book of Galatians. And we miss this because we don't see it in Acts. But these cities that we're, that we're talking about, um, you know, like <laughs> Finley, Lyman, Dayton, you know these cities we've been talking about? Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. They're all in this same area called Galatia. It's like, it's like the region. Paul wrote a letter to that region. Do you remember what it was called? It was called <laughs> Galatians. So when he wrote the book of Galatians, he was writing it back to these churches, and he said this, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not, you help me, do not give up. Hang on to your faith, which, which let me take it just a little bit further, because Paul does here. Here's the second um, poster that you'll see in a junior high classroom. It's that cat with its claws, and underneath it says, hang in there. Have you ever seen that? You know what I'm talking about? Here's the second thing, word of encouragement. Be encouraged. Hang in there. I know for some of you, you said, I'm not going to give up. But Chad, it's not easy. Go back, to what, go back to what Paul said, Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And here's the quote. Here's what they said. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It's just reality. He's just telling them the truth. Look, he's just saying, look, if, if you want the reward, sometimes it's a process that's not pleasant. I mean, this is completely true. It goes back to our basketball analogy. It goes back to getting strong. It goes back to everything in our lives that we know to be true. If, if it's going to have value to you, it's going to cost you something. Isn't that true? And so he's saying to them, look, you're going to follow Jesus in a world that isn't following Jesus. So as a result, for you to get to his kingdom, which is down the road, it's what you're looking forward to, for you to get there, know this, there will be some hardships that you will go through. Raise your hand if you found that to be true. I mean, it's just, it's the reality of life. It doesn't mean God's not there. He's, he's there at the end. We've just got to realize that there's a path that we go on. So here's what Paul is saying to them. Don't be surprised by surprises. Surprises are going to come. They're going to catch you off guard. Don't let yourself be, be so surprised by them that it, that it throws you off. Does anybody, uh, does anybody have an Apple product in their home? A Mac, an Apple TV, an iWatch, an iPad, an iPhone. Some of you could say, hey, man, I've got them all, brother. I'm all in. I'm all in. Right? I mean, Apple's a pretty big company, and uh, they have quite a bit of my money, just to be honest. They just built, with my money, a $5 billion office complex that they built with some of your money, too. It's a, it's a marvel of engineering curved glass, some of the largest uh, total like pieces of glass in the world. Steve Jobs, before he passed, said we, we have the opportunity to finally do an office right. It's four stories. It's an incredible space. Five billion dollars. In the first month, they had to call 911 at least three times because people who work at Apple were walking around with their phones and walked right into glass walls. <laughs> yeah, you go, oh, I go, justice, yes. <laughs> That'll teach them for, right? I feel so much better now. I got to repent, but I feel better. Why? Because they're just walking right along, right? 
And they went to great effort to make sure that this glass was just right, that it would be truly transparent, not realizing it was going to cause head injuries to employees. They got surprised by it. You're going to walk into walls at times. There's going to be things out there that you did not expect that you're going to come crashing into. It's just, it's life. So don't be surprised by surprises. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica. He says, we sent Timothy, who's our brother and our co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you. There's those two words again, isn't it? Stay strong, be encouraged. To strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. Last sentence, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. That was meant to be an encouragement. <laughs> trials are gonna come. So, so be encouraged. Hang in there. This, this is a part of the process. Look, suffering is often the road to blessing. Suffering is often the road to blessing. In, in, in our world, we, we, we stop today to remember Palm Sunday. This is the day that kind of triggers the, the Passion Week. When Jesus came into Jerusalem with great celebration, and they recognized him as a king. You remember that in the Gospels? But what happened from that, and we'll, we'll talk about this week, Good Friday, Easter, we'll, we'll look at these things, is that before resurrection, there had to come death. Oftentimes, oftentimes, suffering is the, is the journey that God takes us on to bring his blessing. But look at what he says about this. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. Remember that line, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your savior. Do you see what God's saying there? He's saying, hang in there. Because I know you. I'm with you. I'm not saying you won't go through the waters. I'm not saying you won't go through the fire. I'm just saying to you, as you go through that, don't give up. Hang in there. Be encouraged. The disciples in those cities needed to hear it, and some of you need to hear that today. Here's things you need to hear, probably again, but stay strong and be encouraged. And here's number three, the last thing that we see in this passage. It's simple, but it's so important. Trust God. Number three, trust God. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Go, go back and, and, and read the conclusion here. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Two important things that are there. It says that they, they prayed for them and they committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. Look, if you're in a place where you need God's strength, stay strong. If you're in a place where you wonder if you're gonna make it, be encouraged. And for all of us, my challenge to you, number three, is that you would trust God. Here's what I mean by that. If we trust him, we talk to him. If, if we truly trust him, we talk to him. And we know that we can pray. We know that we can talk to him with confidence because he knows who we are. Go back to that verse we just read in Isaiah chapter 43, verse one. God says this. He says, look, I know you by name. Isn't that a good thing? Like you're not just creature number six billion, you know, 400, you know, that's not you, right? You, you have purpose. 
You have a name. God knows you by name. There's a soccer player in England whose name is Sanchez Watt. And this month he was playing and he, he uh, you know, committed a, a foul or whatever, and the, the ref came over and said to him, because he had it recorded, he says to him, what's your name? And so Sanchez looks at the ref and says, what? <laughs> Remember, his name is Sanchez Watt. The ref says, what's your name? Sanchez says, what? The ref says, what's your name? Sanchez says, what? The ref says, what's your name? Sanchez says, what? To which the ref says, you're out, get out of here. Kicked him out of the game for being disrespectful because the guy just said his name. The coach, it's a true story. The coach had to run out and say, no, 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 his name is, is Watt. Isn't it wonderful this could never happen in baseball? And so this is like, some of you get that. This is, this is a cool thing, right? The ref didn't know his name, but the coach did. Look, God knows your name. But let's flip the script on this. Not only does God know your name, but you know his, right? You, you know how to call out to him. Scripture not only says that God is with us because he knows our name. Look at this, Psalm 91. This is cool, Psalm 91. Because he loves me, says the Lord. This is God talking about you now, okay? Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my what? Look, you know his name. He knows your name. Use it. Talk to him. Because watch what happens. Go back to that verse. It says, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Look, if we trust him, we talk to him. We don't have time to kind of unpack this, this whole idea of prayer. We'll actually look at some of this as we keep going through, through the book of Acts. But look, don't, don't be afraid to talk to God. In those moments where you need his strength and you need encourage, you, you, you want to give up, you're not sure you can hang in there, talk to him, speak to him, call out to him. You know his name. He knows yours. You've already been introduced. Talk to him. And then do this. Look, if we trust him, we talk to him. And then if we trust him, we commit ourselves to him. We, we take what we have and we entrust it to him. Our lives our jobs, our school, our money, our family, our victories, our opportunities, our weaknesses, our problems, our sins. We, we trust him with those things. We commit them to him. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. This is Paul, not, at, not on his first missionary journey, but at the end of his journey. Paul's, Paul's in prison most likely awaiting death at this point. Second Timothy chapter one, look at what he says, verse 12. He says, this is why I'm suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame. Because, this is a beautiful thing at the end of your life to say, I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Word entrusted is the same word committed that, that we see in Acts. Paul says, look, from, from the time he was this, this new missionary on his first journey to the time that he's an old pastor in prison waiting for his life to end, he says, I know whom I have believed. And he says to the church, church, I, I love you, but I, 
I commit you into God's hands. And I know that I believed in him and that he is able, he's strong enough to hold on to what I've committed to him. I give it to him. I'll be real honest. I, I have a hard time with that one sometimes. The whole entrust, commit thing. Ron and I went to this, this meeting at a fancy hotel not too long ago. I don't go to fancy hotels too often. And you, you pull up and they don't give you much of an option. You pull up and they say, well, sir, we need, to, we need to valet park you. And I'm like, I can do it just fine myself. Thank you very much. Where they're like, well, self-parking is six and a half miles down this way. And you have to walk back in the rain. Or we can valet park you for $437 or whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, you know. So at some point, some guy who I don't know, who I already don't like because he told me what I don't want to hear, Somehow I wasn't thinking of witnessing in that moment. I don't know. I, don't, I was like, I was just ticked. I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to want me to give him the keys to the car. It wasn't even my car. It was a rental car, so I don't know what I was so upset about. But all my stuff's in there, right? My suitcase is in there. My, my, my briefcase is in there. My phone charger is in there, right? All that stuff is in there. The things you need in life. And some guy I don't even know says, I'll take the keys and all your earthly belongings, sir. And he does it so fast that I don't even know what happened. He trades me for a worthless piece of paper. I didn't like it at all. I'm like nervous. Ron is like, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't like that guy. She's like, what? Why? He seems very nice. I don't know. He's creepy. You know, you just got that. It's just that moment. You know? I don't like valet parking. Sometimes you do it. It's what you have to do. God's not creepy. You know his name. And he cares more about your stuff than you do. He cares more about how you're going to get where you need to go than you do. He cares more. Does that make sense? So if I'll commit my car to some creep, he was a creep. If I commit my car to this guy, don't you think you can commit your life to the one who made it and gave it to you? Who wants what's best for you? Who, who will go out of his way to say to you, I know it's basic. But some of you so desperately needed to hear this today. Stay strong. Be encouraged. Trust God, because this journey that you're on, he knows the blessing he wants to bring to you if you'll just trust in him. So I want, I want to take a page out of Pastor Paul's playbook today. I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, whether you're in this room or Auditorium 2, or if you're in generation service in the chapel, wherever you are right now. I, I just want to ask this question. Real simple, actually. We talked today, stay strong, be encouraged, trust God. If, if you said, and this is all I'm gonna ask you to do, if you said to yourself, thanks God, I needed to hear that today, would you stand up right where you are? If you know, it's basics, but there was something there today that you just, you just know God is speaking to you about a situation in your life, in your future, in your past, whatever it is, you would just say, thanks God, I needed to hear that today. Would you just stand right where you are? Okay, cool, anybody else? Hey, then we, we talked about the power of the church, that there's strength in numbers, right? Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do, and we've, we've done this before, real simple. If somebody's standing around you, I want them to know that somebody's praying for them, even if, even if you're standing too. Would you just stand and put a hand on their shoulder? Nothing else, just put a hand on their shoulder. Let them know, hey, I'm praying for you. And then there's a passage of scripture 
that, that I want to I pray. I'm, I'm going to read it, but I, as I read it, I, I want to pray it for us. It's Ephesians chapter 3. In fact, Paul wrote this. This is from Pastor Paul, right? He wrote this when he was suffering, and he prayed for the church that he loved, and he prayed this for them. The scripture's on the screens. Um, if, if you want to, if this is meaningful for you, it's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, thank you, God, for your riches, because some of us are feeling lack today. Some of us are feeling weak today. Some of us are discouraged today. So thank you, God, that you come alongside with your riches. Lord, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you would strengthen us with your power through your spirit in our inner being. Lord, some of us today, we just need strength. We just need to know that you're coming alongside of us. God, we don't just need it in our, in our, in our physical mind or in our body's muscles. We need it in our spirit, Lord. We need it in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Lord, we pray, Lord, I pray for this church that we would be rooted and established in love, that we would have the power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And Lord, you, you know the reasons that we stand today. Lord, you know the strength that we need. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. Lord, you know the encouragement that we need. Lord, I pray for those who are thinking about giving up. God, I pray for those who need to hear hang in there. Lord, that more than just simple poster words, your spirit would reinforce those things in our spirits. And Lord, that we would trust in you. Lord, I, I pray for this body. Lord, we commit our lives to you, knowing that you are able to guard what we entrust to you until the day that we stand face to face with you. Lord, thanks for your word. It's the way your spirit speaks to us. As we go from here, Father, we ask that you'd send us out with your special favor, with your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.